When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Impact Theory. Impact Theory. Impact Theory. Impact Theory. Impact, baby! Hey everyone, welcome to Impact Theory. Today's guest is a multi-hyphenate in the extreme. He's an entrepreneur, author, athlete, competitive bodybuilder, model, and internationally sought-after speaker. He has racked up an extraordinary list of accomplishments, including building a seven-figure social following all before his 25th birthday. This guy has inspired so many people that when The Rock bumped into him at the gym, The Rock asked him if they could take a photo together. True story. He shared the stage with Deepak Chopra, Steve Forbes, and Susie Welch, and was even invited to speak at the Tony Robbins Global Youth Leadership Summit. This is a string of accomplishments that anyone would be proud of, but what makes him so damn captivating is that he did all of this while being one of only four living people with a rare genetic disorder known as Hanhart Syndrome, which caused him to be born with no legs, only one arm, and only one finger on that one arm. Now, knowing that, replay his list of accomplishments in your mind. He owns his own company, published a book about his life, was a varsity wrestler in high school, and he competed in a bodybuilding competition, placing higher than able-bodied competitors. And he's a model and speaker who's traveled around the world inspiring countless people. This guy could tap out today and his resume would still stand among the greats. But if you ask him, he's just getting started. So please, help me in welcoming the man who realized very early on you can either find a way or find an excuse. The author of Victim to Victor, the indomitable Nick Santo Nastasso. Nick, thank that was you for amazing, being here, my man. That was amazing. Thank hey, you. Dude, what you've done is it's bananas, man. I'm excited. And I want to talk about the whole notion of no excuses. Like, yeah. when did you, I love the way that your parents treated you growing up. Yeah. Tell us about that. Is that where the whole idea of I just got to figure this shit out came from? Or Yeah, so it's funny because self reflecting back, I asked my parents, I said, you know, how did you intro me to the family? Mm. You know, because mm. I'm the baby. And so I have, I have three other siblings. I have uh, two sisters and one brother. And so they were like, you know, when you were born, we kind of just didn't talk about it. We kind of just brought you home and like they just started loving on you and didn't see anything different. And so my parents, like they, they always talk about like they had three kids. So they, they, they were kind of getting used to being a parent and kind of figuring out the system of how to be a parent. And so with me, they sat me down at an early age and were just like, here, Nick, like they're going to put things in front of me. And so they, you know, they, they put my clothes in front of me and would give me suggestions and kind of help me out a little bit. Or, you know, they'd put me in my high chair with food in front of me and be like, all right, Nick, like, let's just figure it out. And I think like, I always talk about like, that was my biggest advantage. A lot of parents do too much for their kids or they, or they kind of coddle them, which is basically handicapping your child, right? And so like my parents helped me exercise that muscle of literally falling on my face and getting back up. And so like everything that I viewed, I just knew it was gonna be hard or I knew it was gonna take a little bit more time. And 
that was the kind of the phrase like it's not camp but how the more empowering like how am I going to get through this and so like the challenges as a kid they were just like the little games for me and I just wanted to figure out you know how I can push myself or I wouldn't want to ask for help I always strive to be independent. Mm. Have you come up with a process for figuring stuff out? One of my favorite stories about you is licking your finger to pick up Cheerios faster. Yeah yeah yeah. That, that was really <laughs> smart but when I think about so you've talked about opening a gym for people that uh, you have a phrase for it what do you, people that need different types of equipment? Just accessibility. Yeah, right. so when I think about you trying to figure out how to balance your musculature, that seems like nigh impossible. That's hard for me, and I have the symmetry naturally. How the hell do you figure stuff out like that? So obviously you start with it's possible, but then how do you break that down and actually get to a solution? Yeah, so basically, like with fitness, and so I needed to figure out ways that I can lift symmetrically, and I also needed to figure out more knowledge on nutrition, because I didn't know what I was doing when I started. Mm. And I actually, when I moved to Tampa two years ago, I met one of my best friends, Cody, who like dedicated, when I did that preparation for bodybuilding, it was a 12-week show, he trained me every single day. And basically, when I started, like when I moved there, he sat me down, I was like, dude, listen, like your form is all messed up. Like you're not lifting right, and it's, and it's, it's not pissing me off, and I, I need you to have a base. Like I need you to figure out that you need to isolate yourself and you need to move your body certain ways and micro movements. And so basically having that vision, but then like reverse engineering and saying like, what, what are these little steps? Because I think if we just have a vision and we're just focused on that, like if we don't have those little steps, like we get overwhelmed because it's like from A to Z, right? And so we need to figure out what we do in the beginning. And so for fitness, he like sat me down. I was like, all right, like the, the importance of rolling your shoulders back and like only moving this to contract your, you know, your chest muscles and with your back, like just basically like, super strict on form because when I first started lifting for the first like a year I was only lifting my left side so like I totally just gave up on the side I was like yeah no so like I used to bench press and I remember my, my buddy used to like slam my right side down I would just bench this way and I fell in love with not only the physical aspect of lifting but the therapeutic like how it made me feel and I was like I want to do more of this and I realized like looking into bodybuilding I was like oh you need mm -hmm. symmetry if you want to compete and so basically just sitting sitting me there and figuring out these little micro movements because he's like dude like you may think you can't contract all your muscles but i promise you if you isolate and you have the right posture and you really just contract and and are focusing on working through the muscle then i promise you you can build that and it's and it's funny because i actually had a prosthetic made probably like two years ago that would give me some sort of an extension so i get more contraction but after lifting with Cody and just really figuring out my body, like I don't use the prosthetic anymore. Like I can get like full, full contraction um, from my chest, my back. Like I'm still trying to clean things up, but like just isolation and, and being super hard on like my form and not like lifting not correctly, like not lifting in a, in a wrong way because you know, a lot of people go into the gym and it's just like, they think it's just one movement real fast and they don't know that like isolating things is really how you work through the muscle. Mm. And so I was just like, yo, give me a game plan. That's what I need. Like I need some steps and then I'll just go from there and improvise myself. I love what you're talking about, about being really strict with your form and having a training partner that's holding you to a standard. That was something I found really interesting in your approach to wrestling in high school. Yeah. Um, tell people about that. I think that's super powerful. Yeah. So. When I got into middle school and high school, I was like full victim. People may have not known it because I knew energy was contagious. And so like my parents never do, knew about my suicidal thoughts. My sisters, my brother never knew about that because I knew like I didn't want to bring that energy and put it on other people. And so I'd, you know, wear that face, fake, you know, fake smile, fake mask and just go on with my life. And my older brother was a wrestler and I'm from Jersey. So wrestling's like a big deal. And so like 
like I said, my parents and my siblings never treated me any different. So I was beat up just like everyone else, like, you know, <laughs> practicing suplexes on and like just I was I was super normal. And when I got into high school, I was at in this point where I was like, I need something, you know, like I need to be with my friends more. That makes me feel good. I need I, what sport can I do with them? What extracurricular activity could I do with them? And it's funny because my best friend, Dan, we're still best friends to this day. His whole entire life he wrestled. And his freshman year, he decided to bowl, which was a little bit different. And he, you know, he came up to me. He's like, Nick, like you can bowl. You just roll the ball down the lane. You get to eat cheese fries when you come back. And I'm Italian, so anything that's got to do with food, like I'm in. And so I was like, man, because I needed something that was going to instill confidence in me. Because I was also a kid that thought like confidence was something you're just born with. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't got it. I don't got legs. I don't got an arm. I don't got confidence. Like I don't have anything. And so I was looking for a way out. That was my, right? We, we have drivers in life and we talk about, you know, pain and pleasure. Mine was like, I didn't want to feel this pain anymore. I didn't want to feel uncomfortable in my skin. I was an out of shape, chubby kid. And so I was looking for a way out. So I bowled my freshman year, actually. That's how I first started getting into sports. And I remember our JV and our varsity team, our varsity team was pretty good and our JV team was undefeated. And then I joined and gave the JV team their first loss. And they were probably <laughs> upset with me, but they never expressed it. And I didn't feel like I was a part either because everyone had these new like uh, bowling jerseys and I had this old one like that just, yeah. they didn't have room for me, but I was on the team basically. And so after freshman year, I realized like I need something more. All my best friends, they were wrestling. Dan went back to wrestling and you know, after school, they go to practice. And so that was that time where I was either alone thinking about things or, you know, I was I was in the house with my family, but I wanted to be around my friends more because that made me feel good. And I had to, I had like an amazing set of friends. Mm. And so I was like, I, I want to be a wrestler. And at that time, this arm was actually five inches longer than it is now. And my bone was growing faster than my skin. So like the majority of my life, um, I, I've had problems with it. So when I was in first grade, I had uh, the music teacher come up to me and was like, Nick, um, do you want to try to play the drums? I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I would love to. I don't know how you think I'm going to play the drums, but I'd love to. And so we go into the, the music room and what they did was they ace bandage a stick on this arm. And this arm was a little bit longer. They ace bandage a stick on this arm and they gave me a snare and he was just giving me rhythms to practice. Mm. And I actually picked up drumming so well that the school bought me an electric drum set and they moved me to the middle school band because I was too advanced. So basically I would play this electric drum set and what I would do is I would sit on the pedals because they were, they were wireless. Mm. And so I can sit on the hi-hat pedal with this quad and sit on the, the bass pedal with this quad and I'd play a full set of drums. But with wrapping the stick around, my arm like, so what it was was the bone was growing faster than the skin so it was super sensitive, like I couldn't really touch it on things. And so it would get infected from lack of circulation, whatever it may be. And so like there would be points where my arm would get infected and I need to drain it. And I would always tuck my arm in because I didn't want to hit it hard enough because if I did, the bone would have came through out of, out yeah. of my skin. And so when I wanted to become a wrestler, um, you know, my parents were like, no way. You know, and the one thing that I thought in my head was like my arm, you know. So when the guys asked like, Nick, get out of your comfort zone, like, let's go roll. I'm like, guys, you know about my arm. Like, I don't want this to bust through. That won't be very good. And you know when, when someone tells you an idea and you maybe blow that idea off, you're like, yeah. And then like you're on the bus or you're in your car, right? And you're driving home. We all know like we start marinating on things. And that's when the how kicked in. I was like, well, how can I become a wrestler? You know, I know this would instill confidence in me. I'll be labeled an athlete. You know, people told me I couldn't be an athlete, right? Like people told me I couldn't be all these things. I was like, if I could be labeled as an athlete and, and run out on the mat with my team, that would just make me feel good. It would uplift me. And so I came home one day and I waited for both my parents to get home because they worked, you know, different jobs. And I sat them down and I said, hey guys, I said, 
what do you think? I, I want to become a wrestler. Like, what, do you, what are your thoughts? My mom was like, Nick, no. Like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, wrestling's the most physical sport. Like, what are you going to do? Like, if you hit your arm and your bone comes through your skin, you know you're going to hit your arm. Like, wrestling's one of the most physical sports. And, you know, me as a 16-year-old kid, I looked at my parents. And I said, can we, can we cut it off? And they were like, well, Nick, like, what do, you, what do you mean cut it off? I'm like, yeah, you know, like my arm's stopping me. Can we just like trim it, you know, cut it off? Can we do something about it? And they were like, Nick, the, the right words amputate. You're so aggressive with your words. Like, you really want to amputate your arm? And I was like, yeah, like this is holding me back. I want to wrestle. And like I said, Tom, they didn't know about how low I was. They just, this was just something that I wanted to do. And even as a baby, you know, my I actually did an interview with my parents and I got to like ask them questions that I always wanted to ask them. And when I was born, the medical industry, I'm jumping around all over here, but the, the medical industry wanted, wanted to cut my finger off. Or this, this bone, is this finger is actually two fingers in one, so they wanted to split it. Or they wanted to put, you know, um, pins in my legs and bone lengthening. And my parents always told these doctors, they said, you know, I'm not in the position to make that decision for my child. Like, it's not my life. Like, who am I to say yes and then put my child in a bed and have him in the bed six months, you know, lengthening his bones? That's not for me to, to make that decision. And so they were kind of almost happy that I brought to them that, that solution that, you know, they knew my arm was hurting. They knew it was growing. It wasn't going to stop growing. And so for, for me to go to them and bring that decision and, and have it as my choice, they were cool with it. And so that was pretty cool. So my parents accepted. They're like, dude, this is what you want to do. It's only going to better the quality of your life we're in. And so my sophomore year, my parents scheduled the appointment for me to amputate my arm. And I didn't tell any of my friends I was doing it. I didn't tell any of my teachers. I was just like, hey, like, this is what I'm going to do. And so I go back to school and I got like 17 stitches on my arm. And I always say I was the happiest kid that just cut his arm off. You know, I go into school and like people are like, Nick, what'd you do? I'm like, I cut my arm off. They're like, why? And I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna become a wrestler. You know, I, I told everyone, I was like, I cut my arm off because I'm gonna become a wrestler. And people are like, what? You know, they didn't, they didn't understand it. You know, my friends supported. They're like, dude, it's the coolest thing ever. Like, I can't wait till you're on the team. And people are like, dude, let's be real. You know, how are you going to become an athlete, let alone a wrestler? And Tom, my whole life, there was always that, that the other people putting limiting beliefs on me or putting their limits on me. Like, from the moment I was born, the doctors handed over a list to my parents. They were like, Mr. and Mrs. Santanastasso, your son survived the super crazy thing, but here's all the things he won't be able to do. And, you know, my parents threw that list out and they weren't going to let other people put limitations on me. And so they always just were firm believers like, Nick, you can do whatever you want. You know, your, your mindset is the biggest superpower. And they always engraved that into me. And so, you know, I told these people, I said, you're right. I'm not going to become a wrestler. I'm going to be I'm going to be a varsity wrestler. And, and you're kind of going to watch and I'm, I'm going to try my best. And that was always my thing is like, as long as I try my best, as long as I attempt it then you know, I'm, that's not failing. Because there's a lot of people in life, whether it's in their personal life or in their business life, and they sit on the sideline and they're like, man, I don't have the resources, I can't build a business. Or I'm not old enough, I don't have the knowledge. Or I'm, I'm too old that I can't build a business. And I always tell people I'd much rather be in the trenches. I'd much rather be on the field than sitting on the sideline wasting time and thinking, man, I can't do that. So my whole view of life is like, I'd try everything. My thing is like, why not? You know, I'm just gonna try everything. And so. That was like the, the turn for me of, of starting wrestling. The cool part for me in that story though is that you asked your friends to beat you up, to not take it easy on you, to smash you into the mat, to do whatever they needed to do to actually make you a good wrestler. Yeah. Why do you have that mentality? Yeah, I knew, I knew from an early age, I was, they actually put me on the Today Show when I was 13 and I told Ann Curry and I was like, 
in my squeaky voice, I was like, you know, failure is your best friend. And, you know, you learn by falling on your face and getting back up. And I, I've learned that just through life in itself. Like I said, whether it was getting on a chair or whether it was trying to put my clothes on or feed myself, everything was challenging at first. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, I was perfect at everything. Like, I just figured out my way. No, like, things were hard, you know. And so that was always my mindset of, like, things are going to be hard, but, like, I'm going to learn from me falling on my face. Like, I'm, I'm going to pick up and say, what can I do differently so I don't fall on my face next? And so with going into wrestling, I'm very competitive. Like, I'm a competitive person, and I don't want people to hold back on me. I never wanted the people to hold back on me. If I was going to lose, I was going to lose like, like a champion, right? right? And so, you know, I told my, and it was easier because it was my best friends, but I was like, guys, like, please don't hold back on me. I don't want you to feel bad. Like, my arm's all good. Like, we can beat everything up. Like, just do what you need to do. And there was moments... You know, my junior year was a JV wrestler, and my only win was my coach putting me out for a varsity forfeit so I can get my varsity jacket. And I was like, I don't want it. I didn't earn it because we can agree that, you know, things feel better when we earn them. Yeah. And so my senior year, I remember there's exercises where basically it was called um, shark. And so what it was was I weighed about, I weighed 85 pounds. That was the least weight you had to be to qualify to be varsity. And so all the wrestlers were cutting weight and here's Nick stuffing his face, <laughs> trying to gain weight. I'm chugging Gatorades before weigh-ins just so I can be eligible for varsity my senior year. And so I wrestled 106, 106 pounds. So that means that the, everyone that I was wrestling was 20 pounds heavier than me because I was 85 pounds. And so the exercise would be, basically there'd be four wrestlers in a circle and there would be one guy in the middle and that guy had to get five takedowns or else he just kept beating up for the whole practice. Well, guess who sucks at getting takedowns? <laughs> the guy with no legs and one arm, right? So, you know, they put me in this exercise and already in my head, I know like, dude, like I, I never wrestled. Like I never did it. Like I've only watched my brother. And so there was moments where I'd be in that circle for 30 minutes, just straight getting my butt wow. kicked by all these guys, slammed down, picked up. And there was one point where, you know, I, I went on the mat crying. Like I broke down mentally. And I remember my coach came up to me and he, he was super jacked and intimidating. He got down on my level. He's like, you think I don't cry, son? And in my head, I'm like, dude, you don't cry. Like, look at you. But he's like, dude, like, I just want to let you know that like you going out there and playing full out, it's, it's, it's motivating all the guys regardless. And that's what I realized that, you know, even in those low moments of getting my butt kicked and I'm, I'm pouring sweat, I'm laying in other people's sweat, but if I can look over to my friends and crack a smile, that that will just motivate them and drive them. So it was kind of like, you know, the accountability group, but if someone was down, we'd lift them up, and if I was down, people would lift me up, and that's how I got through wrestling, because it was super hard. And my senior year, I was able to be the 106-pound varsity wrestler for my high school, which was like, at the time, that Vine came out, so I was making Vine videos, and I went from like, you know, unconfident kid to like a million followers on Vine and a varsity wrestler out of like nowhere. And, and I was just like, oh my God, like look what I, look what I accomplished. Um, but the wrestling just showed me how much I could push myself physically and mentally. And when I was on the mat, that it was just one-on-one. -on -one. And I want, you know, I, if I lost, I, I, lo I lost like I went out with a, with a battle. Like I, I didn't lose easily. Like there was in wrestling, after the, the season, you either go into districts and then regions. If you win districts, you go in the region. If you win regions, you go in the states. It's all like independent. It's not team. And so I wrestled, I remember I wrestled a region placer. And in wrestling, you either get pinned or um, you lose by decision or a tech fall. A tech fall means that they maxed out on points. So they took you down so many times. Well, this kid had to beat me in a tech fall because he couldn't pin me. 
And so like focusing on our strengths, like the one thing I was really good at was my neck bridge. So like I would practice, like I would sit and practice and I'd have my coach's maul on my head and I continuously pick my head up because I wanted to figure out a way where I don't give up the max amount of points. Like how am I gonna bring the most value to the team while well, I'm gonna stay off my back? Because I see these other guys going through their back and giving up full six points. If I could just stay off my back, I'm pretty valuable. Mm. Like, and so I would, I would strengthen my neck. And so in this match, I'm, I'm, I'm versing in this region qualifier and I hear his coach on the line like, pin him, stick him, <laughs> stick him, what are you doing? And he just couldn't do it. And he was so pissed off and he had to beat me with points. And that just made me feel good. Like regardless that I lost, I gave my best and I didn't give up the full amount of points. And so just focusing on my strengths because if I always focus on like, oh, I don't have legs, I don't have an arm and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I was if I always just focus on that. And I think there's something else in there that's powerful, which is that you developed strengths. So knowing that, okay, there are certain things I'm not going to be able to do. Maybe I'm never going to be the takedown champion, but I can actually strengthen my neck. Yeah. And so finding ways to be extraordinary, I think is something that a lot of people don't focus on. They, and it's weird. It's like, if you have this I talk about it with the inner city, so I've worked with a lot of inner city kids, and the inner city breaks most of the people that it touches, but every now and then you get a Jay-Z, who is made far more extraordinary because of the hardship. Richard Branson talked about how he thinks part of what made him successful was that he had dyslexia, and so he was like, I was just trying to compensate for that, and maybe I overshot the mark. And I thought that's actually really interesting. These disadvantages, they diminish most of the people that encounter them. But some people who have the mindset like you have, they find ways to turn that into the strength, to find ways that, okay, I can do something that other people can't do. They put all their energy into getting extraordinary at that thing. Yeah. And then that's what you know, gives them that confidence, it lifts them up. I think it's a really extraordinary way to look at life. Now, taking this notion of I don't wanna play at being a wrestler, I actually wanna be a wrestler, so I want my friends to go hard on me and I don't want out of the center of the shark game until I earn my way out. How does that play out in life for you now? Like we said before, like I know everything's gonna be hard. And I feel like when, like even now kids or, or some people, if they quit because things are hard, they just haven't done uncomfortable things enough. They haven't got out of their comfort zone enough and experienced you know, what that discomfort is. And so now for me, it, it's just, I know everything's gonna be challenging. And like the camp at how thing, like people say, you know, maybe may mindset mumbo jumbo, but like the majority of not only entrepreneurs, but human beings, like we start off with can't. Like the majority of people are like, oh, you can't do this because this, 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 and this. And it's like, humans are very disempowering creatures. Like if we don't catch our thoughts, if we don't catch our patterns, if we don't catch the things that come out of our mouth, if they're negative, like we need to switch that. And so now me, like my guys, everything is how. Like, how are we gonna do this? How, we, how are we gonna you know, get through this problem? And let's, let's um, reverse engineer everything. That's how I do it now is just figuring out, you know, what is our strengths? That's the one thing I've realized, like I'm 23 years old and you know, starting a company, I didn't go to college. So I'm learning as I go. And that, that's the whole thing is like, I'm a student of the game and I realize that I only know what I know and I'm only 23 and there's so much to learn and I'm just going to learn by throwing myself in the waters and like figuring out how to swim. And so, especially in business, the one thing I've realized is like a good leader puts people where they excel. You know, they put people where they prosper. And so it's like figuring out like, what are your strengths and what are you good at? And let's put people there and then like delegate or outsource your weaknesses. And I think it's funny because in the school systems, it's total opposite. It's actually like, what are your weaknesses? Let's go work on this. And then like entrepreneurship is like, let's double down on our strengths and like outsource our weaknesses. And so I think that's a, a crazy concept because I wasn't very good at school and I know you weren't very good at school until you applied with that, with that passion behind it. But like I, um, I always just had limiting beliefs that I wasn't smart 
and wasn't good enough. But now like I'm reattaching a better meaning to like learning and like self-education. And so like reading more books and realizing like all the knowledge is here and I just need to apply myself and actually apply myself into something that I enjoy or something that we're focusing on. Yeah. And so I've kind of like, you know, got a, got over that like the old me of I suck at school to like I'm just going to read books and like write notes and I'm going to learn that way. And that's how I'm going to ride. Like I'm not going to have like a, a a pain behind learning. Also realizing like communication wise through through your people, like the behavioral assessments and how you operate because, you know, communication is key. That's one of the core values in our company is like transparent communication. Like the only way we're gonna work through something is if we openly communicate about how you feel. I don't care if you're pissed off at me. I don't care if you hate me in the moment. Like I need to know so we can work through this. Yeah, that, that to me is I think the most interesting thing about your personality is the search for truth. And I'll say that it's the same thing that I find interesting about your approach to wrestling. It's a search for truth. I, I actually want to be good. I don't want to yeah. go out on the mat against a real competitor only to find out you guys have been taking it easy. I mean, that's it's not fun, first of all. And two, it's not a way to actually grow and improve. Yeah, like realizing like, you know, you know the saying, the world, the world's happening for you and not to you. But like my whole thing is like the victim mentality. Like I went from victim to victor, realizing like we can play off of every situation. Like right now we're floating through plain energy and like someone comes up to you and calls you a name, like it's up to you whether you react in a negative way or a positive way. And like people are pissed off that they're in traffic, but you realize that you woke up today and you're breathing. Like I want people to be like, whoa, because it's like the Charlie Brown effect. You know, like your mom tells you to do your homework and you're like, eh. Your dad tells you to do your homework, like, eh. And then Uncle Nick comes over, and I'm just like, yeah, let's do your homework. And you're like, yeah, like, oh, doing homework's the coolest thing. It takes a different person from a different walk of life with a different perspective to really break through that barrier, especially through all the priming, right? No matter how long you've been priming and programming your brain, like, it takes someone to come in and just, boom, just throw some perspective and totally break through that wall and get you to look at the world differently. So I want people to realize, like, you know, Nelson Mandela has this quote, in life I don't lose, I only win or learn. Like if people can realize like so many people think like they've lost, but like if you just pull one piece of one one piece of information that's good, whether it's a different perspective, extracting knowledge, a different way to go about life, a different way to not fall on your face, like that's winning. And so if, if I just want people to realize like they have everything inside of them to do whatever they need to do. You know, over the 23 years of my life, I've realized that it's not this. It's not this physical body. You know, people can see me on the street and be like, wow, look how disabled that guy is. And I'll be like, have you seen your mindset? Like, have you seen the way you operate? Like, have you, have you seen the way that you react to situations that you're pissed off in traffic, that you think the world is happening to you? Like, I'm not disabled, like you're handicapped. And to let people know that like, the biggest and baddest people are handicapped and crippled by the limiting beliefs, the things that they tell themselves. And that's why I say the biggest disability is a bad mindset. It's not this body. And so that, that's how I wanna shift people's perspective is realizing like, man, this guy's got no legs and one arm, but he's doing all these amazing things and letting people know like you have everything inside of you to do whatever you need, but you need to, you need to get this right. Your operating system, your computer system through the simulation that we live in, whatever it may be. Yeah, one thing you talk about which I find really interesting and I don't hear a lot of people talk about this, it is my particular obsession, which is values. That your value system is gonna guide your behavior. It's gonna be yeah. the thing that you chase. How do you think about that? What are the values that you hold? Are there universal values that you think people should hold if they wanna have an empowering mindset? What does that look like? Yeah, so my values actually changed. Um, shout out to the OG when I went to one of Tony's seminars. So you know, when I met my guys and we created the company, they've, they've went to Tony Robbins seminars, they volunteered and they're like, dude, you need to go see this guy. And so the one thing that I've realized is like, the, the core value or the, the things people need is like significance, like people that are significance driven and uncertainty and certainty. And, and what I've realized is that 
I replace, you know, maybe significance with my number one core value is contribution. The majority of people immediately think like money, like, oh, giving money, but like there are so many ways that you can contribute, whether that's, you know, nice shoes. We're talking about this. I was like, I may not have legs, but those are great shoes. You know, there's so many ways we can contribute. And I realized that, you know, you talk about success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure, right? Like being successful, but not being fulfilled. I mean, you know, you know, I know that we've been around so many people with mass amounts of money and there's still something missing because their core values aren't aligned. They're not aligned with their purpose. And so I move contribution to my top core value. And so now, any way I can help. I realize that I'm just like my dad and I like to, I get fulfilled through giving people experiences that I don't think they could ever have before. Another core value of mine is longevity. I'm not here for quick fixes. You know, a lot of people in the entrepreneurship world, they're, you know, you're, you're growing up the day and age that we live in, everyone's looking for quick fixes. What can I get out of this person? What, what the, what's the value, you know? And, and for me, I'm here for the long game. You know, how can we continuously help each other build? Because like, winners don't hate on other winners. You know, we just wanna see other people win. And so how can I just provide longevity relationships and nurture those relationships? I think that, you know, in business, relationships are like key, right? Like, just like everything. And so how can I nurture those relationships? So contribution and longevity were my big switches. And also being, being a student of the game is like a core value, and personally and professionally. And being a student of the game, what that means is like you are always in the mode of like I can learn something from every situation whether that person's like the janitor or the CEO right but that requires you to drop your ego and so I also learned about ego and how that would take control and so like student of the game mentality is like you dropping your ego realizing like I only know what I know and I'm, I'm here to learn from every experience whether I, I don't like it whether I do like it like I used to hate constructive cr criticism but then I realized it's like one of the most powerful things and like that's my ego getting getting in the way and saying like, oh, I'm too good for someone to say that. Like, no, you're not. Like, dude, you're only 22, 23 years old. Like, what do you know? Like, kind of just putting myself back down to earth and being like, dude, just be a sponge. What do you, like, when you're trying to get your ego out of the way, how do you conceptualize that versus confidence? You've talked a lot about confidence, I think very powerfully, but how do you balance those two? Because I think, <clears throat> if I'm honest, I think people need an ego, but I violently agree that if you don't know how to set it aside, if you don't know how to be open, um, you're in real trouble. So how do you find the, the confidence, the sense of self, the, you know, the almost like the gravitas to be able to walk into a big situation and feel up to the task and at the same time be the sponge who listens to everybody? It's a perfect example. So when I had the opportunity to speak for Tony's uh, leadership for the kids, um, I went into the green room. This is a perfect example, it's, it's crazy. I went to the green room and the MC, I never met him before. I don't know if he's ever met me. I don't act like anyone ever know me, like I don't care, right? And so um, I go in there and you know, I'm confident in my ability to go out and crush the stage. Like I was, I was already peak state, like I'm ready, like I'm ready to pump this up, right? And so I go into the green room, they have a trampoline and I'm like jumping on it, like doing my thing. And the MC comes in and I, and I looked at him and I said, you know, we meet each other and I said, hey man, I said, do you, do you have any advice? And I just wanted to hear his thoughts. Like, what, you know, what can you tell me from your experience of being in front of the kids already from today, MC? Like, I just want to learn. And like, that's the thing. Like, I was, I was already confident in my ability, but my ego, like I dropped my ego and realized like, there's still some, something you can learn from this guy. Like, I would never just check him off. And so, you know, he, he got down on my level. He's like, yeah, like, he was so happy too. Like, that's the other thing. Like, People are always scared to ask questions or ask for knowledge. Like people love that. Like people want to feel like they're needed and they want to give their knowledge to you. That makes people feel good. And so I was like, hey man, you know, you have any advice for me? And he's like, 
a lot of energy and great storytelling. And in my head, I'm like, ah, I got, I, you know, I got that. That's my confidence. But my ego was that was the balance of like, I know I have great storytelling and I know I have great energy. I'm going to burn this down. But who am I to say that I can't learn from that guy? And that was kind of that was. Does that make sense? Like that yeah, was my yeah. balance of like, I'm confident in my ability. Like I'm good. Like I didn't have to ask that guy for help. But like student of the game, baby. Like I, I gotta, I gotta ask everyone whether whether he said something to me and I was, didn't even resonate. And I was just like, thank you so much for your time and, and your knowledge. Like that's how I balance it. Was just like realizing, like, yeah, I do have confidence, but there's always room to improve and learn. So what is that path to confidence? That's interesting that you. So I'm a huge believer in what I call physiological hooks. I believe any mental state, maybe not any mental state. There are many profound and. Um, foundational mental states that you can learn to achieve by addressing your physicality. Um, you're alluding to one right now. What is the path that you walk people through if, if they really don't have confidence? How do you help them get it? Yeah, so when I was that kid in high school who didn't have confidence, um, you know, I was, setting, I was setting these little goals. So I wanted to become a wrestler. Well, first I wanted to amputate my arm. So I amputate my arm and I did it. And I was like, dude, you did it. Like, you got past this hurdle, boom. And then, you know, you not only physically appalled yourself, but you mentally appalled yourself. Like, good job, you know, you, you kept that promise. And then I wanted to become a wrestler. And I did that, and I was like, oh, let's see if we can push it to, you know, a varsity wrestler. And I became a varsity wrestler. And this is just like, you know, Ed talks about it too, is that keeping that relationship you have within yourself. And like, so many people are trying to seek validation from other people. They're trying to be working on relationships with girls or trying to, you know, seek validation from other things and Instagram and materialistic things. And when the biggest relationship that they should be working on is the one within themselves. That's what everybody needs to be working on. Like, once... Really fast, I'm, I wanna push you there. So, <clears throat> how? How does one work on the relationship with themselves? Yeah, S start little. So for, for someone who, say, is not in shape, I say, you know, fitness was a huge thing for me. Now it's a staple of my life. Um, it's something that has instilled so much in confidence in me because I wasn't, I wasn't comfortable with my skin. The one thing I realized is like, I can't change no legs and one arm but I can get a six pack. You know, I, I can feel a little bit more comfortable with my body. Well, if I, get, if I get in shredded and people are looking at my muscles, maybe they're not looking at my finger and my weird arm or whatever I thought at that time. And so I say it start little. You know, say that is, I'm gonna wake up 15 minutes earlier this whole week. And you do it, boom, like great job. Or I'm gonna, I'm gonna do yoga, or I'm gonna go to the gym, you know, this amount of times, or I'm gonna eat healthy. Whatever those little goals are for you, start little. And then work your, work your way up because like humans love the feeling of progress. And I've realized looking back at my days, like my lowest days, my most like darkest days are the days where like I'm sitting around too long and I'm not doing much. I'm not moving the needle forward in any area of my life. I'm kind of being like a bum. And so I always tell people, it's a good thing I have one finger, the one finger technique. And that is doing one thing today that you know is gonna evolve you into a better human being. And that could be a big thing, but it could, it could be a small thing too. Like um, knowledge, like it could be, I read 10 pages of a book today and I'm, I evolved, you know, I learned a little bit more than I did today, or I asked that question, I learned something. Like, people need to start small, whatever area you're at in your life, but just start small. So I'd, I would tell people to set these little micro goals, set these little micro goals and just commit, and then, like, every time you don't, every time you commit and you don't follow through, you're diminishing yourself, like, your self-integrity. The value, like, how do you value yourself? Like, how do you wanna show up? Like, do you wanna, like, if I told you I was gonna show up here and I didn't show up here, like, that's terrible. Like I just diminished not only my self-integrity with myself, but with you as well, my word. And so like, if we're viewing ourselves as the most important thing, we're like our body, our temple, like don't diminish your self-value. If you say you're gonna commit to something, follow through. And I promise you, you're gonna feel so much better on the other side because you followed through and you're like, wow, I actually 
did what I said it was gonna do. Like, oh my God, it's amazing. What do you do, maybe the right word, when you don't follow through with what you said you were gonna do? Yeah, it's kind of like uh, recalibrate. You know, like, okay, well, what did I do wrong? And, and maybe that goal was too big. Do you punish yourself at all? Um, I think there, there is a point where you can set consequences. You know, if I don't do this, then I gotta write a check to someone I don't like. Or, you know, there, there could be consequences. And if you find yourself the person that always committing and derailing, then add consequences. You know, you know, like, and, and add rewards, like for, for the things that you do accomplish. Like say you're gonna go to the gym 30 days straight and you do it for 30 days straight, go to the spa. Like go do something, go, go treat yourself. But I think if you're the person that, you know, commits to something and you continuously derail, add like a time limit on it and add a consequence. Maybe manipulate yourself and say, well, this is a consequence. I'm gonna have to read 30, uh, 30 pages of a book, but really it's benefiting you, you know? And so like, do, like if you need the guardrails, then add consequences. But if, you, if you're continuously just ripping through it, I would say just, you know, add those rewards. But it's also okay to say like, wow, maybe that goal was massive. Like let's set, let's set these little stepping stones so I can get to that goal. Don't like totally beat yourself up if you don't do it, but like realize like maybe you need to set little smaller, smaller intentions or smaller steps. Random question for you. What are your thoughts on prosthetics? I saw some video footage of you learning to use yeah. legs. I mean, you started yeah, yeah. using prosthetic legs when you were very young, Yeah. but I don't see you use them often. Yeah, it's a great question. So when I was a baby, they actually put me in um, fake legs, legs that didn't move. I mean, back then, I don't know if they had the technology, but basically the prosthetics, the legs would help me sit, sit, sit upright in a car seat or in the grocery store. And it's funny, just, just the tail end, um, my, my siblings used to pay a, pray a prank. And so my full name is Nicholas. And so they would call me Nick and my legs Alyss. And so like in the grocery store, they would like pick me up and be like, no, I want Nick. No, I want Nick. And then they'd rip me apart my legs in front of people. And people were like, oh my God, you know, he just ripped his legs off. And so they would always do like, you know, funny stuff like that. Um, and they also, and my parents also gave me an arm and I would always fling the arm off. I didn't like it. And so I never liked it. And there got to a point where I was probably 12, 13, 14, where, you know, I'd be on the bus and I'd see kids riding their bike. And I'd go, well, why can't I ride a bike? Like, and I'd go home to my, my parents and I'd be like, dad, like, I wanna ride a bike. And you know, what do you do like, when you like, don't really have an answer for your son? And they eventually got me like, a three-wheel bike that I could ride. But um, I was like, you know, I, I, would, I would have those little hissy fits sometime to go home, like, why can't I run around? And why can't I ride a bike? And why am I short? Like, what is going on, you know? And so after you know, years, years of like the, the progression of technology and a lot of prosthesis play, places were turning me down. Um, I finally, we finally found a place when I was like 13 or 14 and um, with prosthetics, like so for my legs, I don't have much quad, I probably only have a couple inches of quad and so the least amount of leg you have, the harder the prosthetic is. And so we finally found people that were able to fit me and so they fit me and at first they fitted me, they were called stubbies and so basically they were just like stilts. And so probably like a couple couple inches long, no knees, and I would just I would stand up in him, and I finally was standing up in him, and I could walk around, and I would strengthen like my lower back, and I, that's also the thing I realized is like all the muscles that go into play of you guys simply standing up, like your obliques, your abs, your lower back, your your quads, your butt, like all these stuff that I didn't know goes in the hand of you guys standing up, and you guys may not know it because it's just natural, right? And so. Finally, it came to the point where I had my I had full legs. Like they fitted me with full legs, and um, they had knees in them. And it's super expensive technology, and they sat me up, and I'm like, oh my god, look how tall I am. That was the first thing I realized. I was like, how how tall can you make me? Like we can make you as tall as you want. I was like, no, I want to stay pretty low to the ground. I don't even know how to fall. How do you guys fall with legs? Like I just didn't know anything, right? And 
I could like, I could like stand up in the legs and like walk with like a walker and like my lower back would fire and like all these muscles. And I was a chubby kid, like I wasn't in shape then. And it was the first thing like physically where I kind of told myself, I was like, dude, like you're not strong enough. The legs were seven and a half pounds each. And I don't have much quad. And back then I was, still wasn't in sh you know, shape. And so like trying to move these legs were just like so hard. And so, you know, me, I wanted to get in the legs and run. Like, you know, you just run right away. And I'm, here I am, I'm walking with a walker. I'm like, I don't like this, you know? And so it was the one thing I realized like physically, like you need to be, you need to be stronger for this. And so it's, I love that you asked me this question is because now, so I stopped using legs. I told my parents, like, this is slowing me down. Like, I, you see me run around, like, I'm running around, flip tires. Like, this is slowing me down. Like, let's just put them aside. They'll be really expensive flower vases for now. And, like, if, if I happen to get back into them. And that, you know, I have to thank my parents for being, like, super easy and not being so upset with, like, what do you mean? We just bought these super expensive legs and you don't want to wear them. Um, so shout out to my parents for that. Um, but the cool thing now is getting into fitness and being the bodybuilder I am now, like, I haven't really talked about this much, but low key, like I'm always strength, I'm strengthening everything. And one day, like I'm gonna get back into my legs and shock the world. I totally agree. Where can people find you? Yeah, people can find me. Um, my long, my last name is pretty long, um, Nick Santanastasso, but on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, if you type in Nick Santo, I'm the guy with the no legs, one arm. Um, there's not many people that like me, um, but I got the really long last name. And uh, you, like I said, you can find me on all those platforms and um, my books on Amazon, Victim to Victor wherever they can find me. I'm the unicorn guy that doesn't really look like everyone else. I love it. What is the impact that you want to have on the world? The impact I want to have on the world, right, the echo. Like some people have, you know, echoes that last a couple weeks and months. Like I want, you know, when I, when I die, I just want people to be like, man, you know, that guy gave everything he could for other people. Like he just laid it out all, laid it out all on the line. Like just gave everything he could and you know showed people that you know he was right that the biggest disability is a bad mindset and that when i when i pass like i just want people to continuously be the victors of their life and realize that life is all about perspective the the lens the lens we look through you know like you can have that victim you can look at things and be the victim or you can look at things and see all the positive in the world and the fact that we're we're literally spinning on a rock in 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 the universe well we call it the universe we don't really know what it is but we're literally spinning on a rock right now and we have the ability to be conscious and, and experience the human experience, which we is wild. Like we're actually live and like right now as we're talking, like we can't feel the blood that's rushing through our left ear right now because that's just life. Like life is absolutely wild. And when people, you know, I always say if people can just reflect like at least once, once a day on the fact that like we're on this rock and it's spinning around and we don't really know what's going on, but we're here, like you'd be, you'd be a little less, you know, you'd be hesitant to complain about traffic or the fact that your leg hurts because something else in the, in the grand scheme of the universe is going on that's way worse than what you have going on. Even me, a man with no legs and one arm. I ain't got no problems. My man, it's a perfect place to end. Thank you so much for being on the show, bro. That was incredible. Guys, check this man out. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. Until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.